Hey folks, Brian here. Before we get started, I just want to ask those who are listening who have not done so to please like, rate, review, and subscribe to the Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast. And to those who have already done so, thank you very much, and please tell a friend. Now then, on with the show. This is episode number 19 of the Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast. Um, quick check of emails, nothing in my mailboxes. Um, if you have any questions about the podcast, any games you would like me to cover, any comments about the games I've already covered, or any other things that you want to uh, ask me, just get a hold of me at arcadeaddictbrian at gmail.com. Also, there is a phone number for voicemails. That number is 734-743-2433. Um, as far as video gaming, I haven't been doing too much over the last three weeks since I recorded episode 18. I did take my son to Pinball Pete's after visiting his mother in the hospital. Um, you know, watching him run around and, you know wanting to play all the games and well i didn't have any cash on me so i couldn't oblige him but it's just one of those things just watching him do this do this do that and i'm like yeah i'm just looking at him like yeah you're not my son <laughs> we found you in a cabbage patch somewhere but yeah so yeah the apple didn't fall too far from the tree folks as i've said in previous episodes and there's a part of me that couldn't be prouder. <laughs> but let's just hope he doesn't go through the things that I went through in to feed my arcade addiction, as you're going to find out in story time, which is coming up. So I've just been doing some stuff in emulation. Um, I've been playing a lot of the 2600 games in emulation. I mean, my favorite 2600 game to play is Space Master X7, and it's just one of those kind of games that can be really tough, especially in the later stages, but it's really rewarding. So yeah, I play that a lot. Um, I play Quest and everything like that, but I'm going to get into that when I get into my top tens of 2600 games, which is in a future episode. So stay, stay tuned as always. All right. Enough of me rambling. Let's get on with the show. I've got a lot to talk about here. So let's go on to Arcade Rundown. Good morning, Mr. Phelps. Your mission, Jim, should you decide to accept it, 
is to make Stefan believe Thompson's information. As always, should you or any of your IM force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. This state will self-destruct in five seconds. Good luck, Jim. Arcade Rundown. Pinball Pete's. <laughs> this is kind of funny because I was just there today. But, um, to cast my memory back, going in the Wayback Machine, uh, the year is 2003. By this time, um, I've been in Michigan for at least four to six months at this point. Um, and I'm jonesing for an arcade and a good arcade experience. Um, at the time, I'm living with my roommates and my ex uh, in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Life is pretty good, uh, but I haven't seen a legitimate arcade since I left Florida. Um, I ended up buying my roommate's old car for 100 bucks, and so now I had the opportunity to ex explore the Ypsilanti Ann Arbor area and find out, you know, what's going on. Um, I remember one day I was home and I was bored out of my mind. Um, I ran an internet search for any arcades in the greater Detroit area. And I ended up asking one of my roommates because she's lived in this area all of her life. And she told me that there's a place in downtown Ann Arbor called Pinball Pete's. I was intrigued, so I did a little more investigation, and after um, wandering around downtown Ann Arbor, I was able to find it. Um, Pinball Pete's has always been interesting. Um, just the actual location of it is interesting. Um, it's on University Avenue in downtown uh, Ann Arbor. Um, when you walk in the door on University Avenue, because there are two entrances... The one on University, uh, you basically have to go down this big flight of stairs to get down into the arcade. And also on that, on uh, the street level, uh, when you walk in into it, on the right-hand side are a bunch of uh, arcade machines. Uh, that used to be a bunch of different kind of games. I think they had Moon, uh, Donkey Kong and a couple other old-school arcade games up there. But they ended up... Um, making that Williams Row, as I like to call it, because it's all Williams games. It's like Defender, Stargate, Bubbles, Joust, Moon Patrol, and one more that's... Oh, Robotron, of course. And so, yeah, so you had a little... You had a row of six Williams machines right there, and on the other side of the staircase, they had vending machines, you know, typical stuff. You know, mostly uh, drinks. You know, water, Pepsi, Mountain Dew, that kind of stuff. So you go down into the arcade proper, and they've got pool tables and, you know, uh, arcade machines from pretty much every era, going all the way back to the 80s. I think the oldest machine they have in there is a Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong machine, which was 1981, of course. You know, but yeah, they've got, you know, games, they've got Street Fighter 2, they got Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition, Street Fighter 3... Uh, Marvel vs. Capcom. Um, let's see, they've got Tron Machine in there. They got a Punch Out Machine, which they need to fix because the screen, uh, the colors on the screen are completely screwed up, and it looks to me both monitors are fried. They need to fix it. But 
I don't know if they're ever going to do that. I got Soul Calibur, Soul Calibur 2, uh, Ms. Pac-Man, uh, Galaga 25th Anniversary Machine in there. Like I said, Donkey Kong, Mario Brothers, you know, and a lot of the more modern day uh, games. Of course, being Pinball Pete's, they have pinball machines out the wazoo. At least, at least 25 machines. I think that's how many. They've got them in three different locations in the arcade. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was always a really interesting place to be. Um, of course, you have, with it being, you know, literally a stone's throw from University of Michigan campus, and University of Michigan, you know, is a college, which, of course, is one of the biggest ones in the country. Um, I think the student I think the student population is like, what, it's, what, between 25 and 30,000, I think? But, um, so... Anytime you walk in there, except, you know, when classes are going on, you know, you got, you know, people of all ages in there, especially on the weekends. You know, uh, like I said, I went in there with my son uh, this evening and, you know, there were there were there were some people in there, quite a few. Um, let's see. But um, but casting my memory back to 2003 uh, they are also in the same uh, building as a, a role-playing game store, the name of which is escaping me. But it was a really good store, and when I walked into those, that place, as well as Pinball Pete's, I knew where a lot of my money was going <laughs> in the coming future. Um, as I said, they've always had a very good selection of games, a really good cross-section cross of... Uh, games from almost every era, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. Um, over the years, they started making a more serious investment in redemption games, and then they started charging 50 cents for even the oldest of games in the place, like Donkey Kong. I think there's only, like, I think there may be, like, one or two machines in the entire place that are 25 cents. Um, the only one I know of is 25 cents is the Tron machine, <laughs> um, and the Punch-Out machine, now that I think about it, I think those are the only two. Um, but yeah, they've been, over the last 16 years, they've been slowly removing classic and, you know, recent video games to make way for more redemption machines. I mean, they've got tons of skee-ball machines, they've got, you know, Papa Shot, and various ticket games. They've got both the Space Invaders and the Galaga um, Redemption games, which is a bit of a shame because I only found out recently that both of those games actually have an arcade mode. And they turn the arcade mode on for people who um, reserve the arcade for parties, which is another shame. I understand it, but, you know, there's a part of me that wants to actually play those two games in arcade mode rather just in redemption mode um let's see i mean pinball pizza has been in existence for well over 30 years in both ann arbor and in east lansing on the or near the campuses of university of michigan and michigan state university respectively so you have to tip your hat to them for that there aren't that many arcades around this country that can say they've been in business for over 30 years so you have to respect it. 
Um, I still go there on occasion to play some games when I don't have time or resources to go to the arcade in Brighton, um, which I still think is the best arcade I've ever been to in the state. Um, it certainly makes a decent alternative um, for those times where I can't get up there, I don't have the money to get up there. So, yeah, that's, those, that's my rundown on Pinball Pete's. Um, if you're listening and you live in the Ann Arbor area and you have some thoughts or some comments about uh, Pinball Pete's, by all means, get a hold of me, arcadeaddictbrian at gmail.com. Okay. Buckle in, folks. This is a, this is this is probably the most glorious and at the same time the most glorious and the most embarrassing uh, story I have in story time. So here we go. Our bodies are given life in the midst of nothingness. Existing where there is nothing is the meaning of the phrase "form is emptiness." That all things are provided for by nothingness. That's the meaning of the phrase, emptiness is form. One should not think that these are two separate things. Okay, story time. Christmas 1982, otherwise known as The Binge. <laughs> this one is a little bit embarrassing for me to talk about, but, you know, I knew I was going to have to talk about this when I first was coming up with stories for this podcast so here we go all right uh this is christmas 1982 um it was a fantastic one for me i mean i just turned 14 earlier in the month and a lot of my relatives had come over for uh the christmas dinner and you know family get together at our house um i'm trying to remember at least Two of my uncles were there, and I think at least three or four of my aunts were there. Maybe even as many as five. Um, but yeah, usually uh, most of my immediate family, we used to get together at my house and you know for Christmas dinner and everything, which was really cool. You know, everybody's there. You know, it's, it's a really good time. But okay, but this one was one of these the one Christmas where I made out like a bandit. <laughs> I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that. Um, my mother bought me a mountain bike. Um, it was one of the first mountain bikes that Huffy ever made. It was called the Colorado. It was this massive, like 26 inch, uh, mountain bike with these massive tires on it. And it was bronze in color. It was awesome. It was, it was probably the best bike I've ever had in my life. Um, my uncle, um, I think my uncle, my uncle Jimmy, uh, assembled that bike for me. Um, and then on Christmas, on Christmas Eve, um, and I'm just helping him, passing him tools and stuff. You know, he's telling me, um, you know, how things, you know, not so much how things work, but, you know, giving me tips on how to ride it because this also had um, caliper brakes. I wasn't unfamiliar with bikes with caliper brakes, but still, I mean, this thing just looked the business. So yeah, he was giving me little pointers and stuff and I was just like, I was listening of course, but yeah. Then um, Christmas day rolls around and you know, everyone's exchanging gifts and things like that. All my uncles and aunts came out of the pocket and started giving me money. 
And it, it was just crazy because I think, if I remember correctly, I think I got like, it was at least $120 for Christmas. Um, you know, Christmas dinner, you know, everything's going well. Everybody's enjoying themselves, enjoying being around each other. Everything's good. Everything's wonderful, you know. Um, and so the next day, um, I had waited along enough and did more the typical family obligations and things like that to be polite. And then the first opportunity I got, I excused myself, got on my new bike, and I flew down to Spanky's. <laughs> oh, man, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, you know, as I talked about in uh, Arcade Rundown, when I talked about Spanky's, um, there, that arcade was right on the corner of Lindley Street and North Avenue in the... Uh, north central uh area of bridgeport it was it was an interesting area let's just put it that way but yeah i remember um coming up beachmont avenue and making the turn onto uh the street that leads into lindley street because lindley street terminates at this street it's like at the southern most part of my neighborhood and i remember just standing at the top of that hill and I was like, all right, let's see what this bike can do. And I remember I got to the top, I got to the top of that hill and I just started on that bike and I just pushed that bike to its very limits. Um, by the time I got down to the bottom of the hill and made the turn on Lindley Street to head towards North Avenue, I think I was doing at least 30 miles an hour, if not 35. I mean, I was flying. <laughs> um, the sound the tires made. I mean, it was like I was driving uh, a semi, you know, barreling down the highway at like, you know, 80 miles an hour, a la Snowman and Smokey and the Bandit. You know, and I mean, just the, I could hear that sound in my ear as I'm talking about it. It's just one of those mem memories that's just permanently etched into my brain. Um, I mean, it, later on in that year, as I was riding it around in summer of 83 came around, um, one of the kids in my neighborhood called my bike the truck because that's exactly what it sounded like, I swear. Oh, man. I mean, I was going really fast. And, of course, we're talking, to, you know, late December in Connecticut, so it's cold outside. And I think it had snowed uh, like two or three days before, but I didn't feel any of that. Um, so I got to Spanky's, locked up my bike, you know, walked in, got changed for a $20 bill, got $5 in tokens, and started playing, playing games. Um, this is about 1 p.m. on December 26th. I played almost every game in that arcade. Um, Super Pac-Man had just come out. Um, Spanky's had three of those machines. That was one of the things that, that was Spanky did. Spanky's did that was really cool is that if they knew they had that they were getting a game that was going to make them a lot of money, they would buy multiples of it or lease multiples of it, whatever they did. But they would get at least two of them. I remember. Um, the second row to the right, as you entered Spanky's, um, I called it basically Pac-Man Row because they had everything covered. They had Pac-Man, they had Pac-Man Plus, they had, oh, God, it, I want to say at least two Ms. Pac-Mans, probably three, uh, two or three Ms. Pac-Mans, 
three Super Pac-Mans, and on the other side, on the main row, as you walk in the door, they had a baby Pac-Man there. So, yeah, I mean, and of course they had um, uh, Bosconium, which is a game I was heavily into at the time, and a lot of other games, you know, going all the way back into the 70s, including pinball. So, I mean, I'm just going from machine to machine to machine and playing and playing and playing and playing. I mean, the next thing I knew, I mean, it's 6 o'clock at night and I'm starving. I mean, I was so hungry, I couldn't ignore it anymore. So, you know, got on my bike, I rode over to Marazzi's Duchess, ordered a chicken chow mein, ate it, and went right back to Spanky's and played more games. Oh, uh, <laughs> I mean, just time just got away from me. It was crazy. I played until probably 8 or 9 p.m., then I figured I better get home. Um, when I got home, I checked how much money I had left, and I think I had, like, $60 left out of what I started with, and I was in shock. I couldn't believe it. I'd spent 50 bucks in the arcade. I mean, how did that happen? <laughs> you know, I mean, I was, I know I was there literally all day long, but that much money? You know, it just, I just was boggled by it. So, after... Uh, I checked in with the family and I told my mother where I was and what I'd been doing. I turned in pretty early because, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to tell you, in, in a mental and physical sense, I kind of burned myself out that night. Um, so yeah, I went to bed early that night. I don't even remember anything that happened after I got home. Um, the next day, uh, most of my family members who came in from out of town, they were saying their, their goodbyes before they got on the road to go back, go back uh, to their homes. So by probably midday on the 27th of December, it was just me, my mom, my grandfather, and a couple of my aunts and uncles who lived locally. Um, I remember spending uh, most of the late morning and early afternoon just in my room in bed just kind of just being like wow man <laughs> I'm really kind of feeling it today this is not good but when I got downstairs and kind of you know you know hung out with my family a little bit I was like there's a little voice inside of me saying come on let's go down to Spanky's <laughs> you've got unfinished business let's take care of that and I was like you know what you're right <laughs> So, yeah, you know, I was still kind of feeling it. So, yeah, I got right back on my bike and I hauled butt down to Spanky's again. And I dropped another 30 that day and another $10 for lunch and, lunch and dinner, I believe. I think I ate, I think I went to Marazzi's before I went to Spanky's to go play. And then I rode over to Spanky's, played, took a dinner break, so to speak, and just came back to Spanky's and played some more. I mean, by the time I got home that night, I think I was almost almost out of money. I think I had like 20 or $25 left, and it was I was just still in shock. I'm like, how is it that I just go into this, like, oh, I can't even, can't even describe it. It's like this haze. Uh, from the moment I walk in the arcade and I drop in a $5 bill to get 30 tokens... And from that moment, I don't remember anything. Or or it's just like, just time gets away from you. At this point, I think I realized I had a problem. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so I went, so by when I got home that night, I think I got home pretty much same time, about 9 o'clock, and my mother's like, where were you? And I was like, yeah, I was down at Spanky's, and, and I was playing games, and she's like, and of course, my mother knowing that, probably better than I did at the time, that I had a bit of an issue when it came to arcades, she's like, well, how much money do you have left? And I'm like, all right, let me check, and I pull out my wallet, and I look in see i've got like 20 or 25 dollars so she just was like it in, in, in not shock but she was surprised and then that surprise quickly turned to anger because yeah i basically more or less dropped a hundred dollars in the space of two days um you know when she you know when she was like well what'd you spend it on i said i was down at spanky's she's like you were at Spanky's and you spent all that money? I was like, yeah. And it was just one of those nights where, yeah, I was like, I was embarrassed. But at the same time, I was exhilarated because it, I had fun. And in the end, that's what matters. But not to the point where you're dropping $50 a night or at the very least $40 a night on video games, <laughs> even back in those days. But, yeah, I mean, I don't make excuses for that, you know, but that's when I realized I had a problem with video games, that I had an actual addiction. Uh, but, you know, that's what addicts do. They spend their money on their particular uh, habit until there's nothing left, and you have this empty, sick feeling at the end of it. And I had that going on, you know, when I got over my initial shock that I'd spent that much money and I think it's that I think when I was uh laying you know when I was in bed and you know in bed for the night and going to sleep and I was thinking about the events the last two days I'm like yeah I think I've got a problem I think I have an addiction to this because even though I still had that empty sick feeling about it and I could have used that money to, you know, buy myself other things or, as my family was trying to always get me to do, put it in the bank and save it. <laughs> that wasn't going to happen. Um, you know, I wasn't ashamed of it. I wasn't ashamed of myself, even though I was like, ooh, I think I overdid it. I think I've got a problem here. But, yeah. Uh, I realized that, yeah, I was indeed addicted to video games and that addiction had taken a turn, <laughs> you know, over the space of those two days. So, yeah, that's my story about the binge. Um, thoughts, comments, anything of that nature, just be nice because it's a little bit of a sensitive topic. <laughs> ArcadeAddictBrian at gmail.com. Okay, let's move on now that I've sufficiently embarrassed myself. Let's go on to Are You Experienced? I'm too old for this. Hiding in front seats like a teenager. Oh, but I think I'm getting too old for this stuff. I'm getting too old for this. Listen, you was born too old for this. I'm getting too old for this. I'm getting too old for this. Lying wet arse to my heather chasing other men's cattle. I'm getting too old for this sort of thing. Maybe you're getting too old for this. What do you think, huh? I'm not too old for this shit. I'm not too old for this shit. You will not. We're not too old for this shit. We're not too old for this shit. We're not too old for this shit. Say like you believe. We're not too old for this shit. We're not too old for this shit. I'm not going to buy a hemorrhoid cushion. We're not too old for this shit. 
Are you experienced? Vanguard. Okay, I be, this is one of my favorite video games of all time. It definitely top 20. Um, maybe not quite top 10, but certain, definitely in the top 20. Um, let's see. Um, this is, of course, a shooter by SNK. And let me actually read the Wikipedia notes because I've got them up. Vanguard is a 1981 arcade game developed by Tosei and published by SNK in Japan in 1981 and later in the same year in Germany by the same publisher. While it was licensed to Century for manufacture in North America in October 1981 and by Zakaria in Italy during the same year, putting SNK on the map in those regions. And that's probably planting a seed because that, that will, of course, uh, relate to the uh, Neo Geo uh, arcade system, which comes out in, oh, what? That was, what, the early 90s, I think? But I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, to continue, this game was also licensed to Cinematronics for conversion to cocktail arcade cabinets in North America. Cinematronics, of course, is the uh, manufacturer for Dragon's Lair. Oh, let's see. The game is one of the first shooters with scrolling in multiple directions. It's also the first color game re released by SNK and an early example of a dual control game similar to uh, Robotron, which would come out, of course, in 1982, um, but using four directional buttons rather than a second joystick. Uh, Vanguard is similar to Scramble in that the player controls a ship urged along a surrounding a surrounding conduit and with a limited amount of fuel that constantly depletes. Unlike Scramble, fuel is replenished by destroying enemies, so running out of fuel is less common. Some portions of Vanguard uh, scroll vertically, horizontally, or diagonally. The ship can fire lasers independently in any of the four cardinal directions using the four fire buttons. Flying into an energy pod makes the ship invulnerable for a short while, allowing both enemy ships and the tunnel walls to be destroyed by ramming. The game is divided into two tunnels of multiple zones each. The first tunnel consists, consists of the Mountain Zone, Rainbow Zone, Stick Zone, Rainbow Zone 2, Stripe Zone, Rainbow Zone 3, Bleak Zone, and the City of Mystery slash Last Zone. The second tunnel consists of Mountain Zone, Stripe Zone, Stick Zone, uh, Rainbow Zone, Bleak Zone, and the City of Mystery slash Last Zone. At the end of each tunnel, the player must defeat a boss guarded by two moving force fields with holes in them. Vanguard uses a number of custom sound chips to produce digitized voices and custom synthesizer sounds. The speech is used to announce the name of the current zone or the next zone that is about to be entered or the word to be careful when the power-up is about to end. The theme music composed by Jerry Goldsmith for 1979's Star Trek The Motion Picture, later used, utilized for Star Trek The Next Generation, is borrowed as Vanguard's introductory theme. Voltan's theme... It's not Voltan's theme. What is it called? Oh, goodness. Um, uh, it's a... Oh, that's right. It's called the uh, Battle Theme. That's right, because I have the Flash Gordon soundtrack, or at least pieces of it. Um but that was composed by Queen's Freddie Mercury for the 1980 movie Flash Gordon, is used for sound, as a sound effect when a power-up is attained. I always thought that was interesting. Uh, I didn't make that connection until I had seen Flash Gordon later on in 1981 when HBO got it. Let's see. Uh, my experiences with this game 
are quite are quite varied. Um, the first time I ever saw it was at the James E. Strait shows in the summer of 81 in the arcade tent. Um, the attract mode was quiet, but then once you started playing the game, it was surprising in that the music and the voices all but erupted from the game. Uh, gameplay was fun and it was pretty straightforward. It was, I won't say it was easy, but it was easy to learn. Let's put it that way. Um, let's see. Then I played it again in the Lafayette, uh, Plaza Arcade. And then I did not see another Vanguard machine until I saw it in the arcade in Brighton in, what was it, 2015. <laughs> so, yeah, I went quite a long ways before I saw another uh, Vanguard machine. Of course, I um, owned the uh, a translation for Vanguard for the Atari 2600. It was one of my favorite games for the 2600. And... Um, it was, it's always fun to play. Uh, both game, you know, both games are one of, are one of my favorites for sure. Okay. Well, that's our experience for that. So we're going to move on immediately to time for some strategy. for some strategy vanguard once again um vanguard is at the same time an easy game and a hard game to play of course you have the directional joystick and the four fire buttons one of the sneaky things about this game is that you have to destroy enemies to keep your fighters energy level up that never was explained and i would wonder every so often why my ship would just self-destruct and i never understood it until i uh, read a little um, strategy guide for it later on in, you know, I'd say probably like 82 or 83. But yeah, it's the same thing. Um, it's like it said in the Wikipedia, you have fuel and you are depleting it as you're flying around and you have to destroy enemies to replenish it. Um, the trick to getting through the mountain zone is, um, of course... Before your en the enemies start coming out, uh, an energy pod will come out, and you just run into it and ram your ship into enemies. Uh, try to get as many as you can. Um, the first zone, of course, there are these fighter craft that fly in, I won't say formation, but in a line. Uh, one of them will zoom forward to try to ram you. One will shoot at you. And the rest will just fly in do at normal speed. Um, when you have the uh, invulnerability up, you want to run into at least two of them at a time to get through the zone quickly. I think these zones uh, are dependent upon how many ships you have to destroy to get to the next part of the zone. Um, let's see. Uh, the next part is these enemies that... Um, they move, you know, they shoot it, you know, one will shoot at you, but most of them will move up or down, uh, 
move up and down away from your fighter or back down towards your fighter if they're at the top of the screen. Sometimes they'll run into you if you're not careful. Um, the easiest way to get through these two zones once you run out of energy is to set it up so that you're flying by, um, you know, a oh, flying by a bunch of enemies and you use your uh, side shots, the shots that fire up and down, to destroy them. Um, the first set of enemies are 70 points apiece, and the second set is 50. Um, and then, uh, if you destroy the, a number of enemies, I still think it's dependent on how many you destroy. It might be timed, it might not, but I think it's dependent upon that. But once you get through both of the first two zones, you get to the rainbow zone, and when you first... It will act. The game will tell you rainbow zone, and then up in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see these ovals dancing up and down. Um, to get extra points, move up, move up on a line with them, and just shoot at them and destroy them as they go. Um, that's for I think like maybe two or three seconds. Then it goes into the rainbow zone. Uh, here, you're flying diagonally, diagonally, with three enemies flying up and down near your ship in a line. Uh, maneuver your ship between them and use your lasers to destroy them. They will change position slightly when they reappear, so move your ship accord accordingly to avoid getting rammed. Uh, then, after a time, they will disappear. Then three of these ovals become five, with three on the bottom and two on the top, moving up and down. Um, again, you have to move your ship to where they will not be able to hit you, and you use your side lasers to destroy them. Or either yeah, you're all four lasers actually, because you if you move around just a little bit, you will get you'll be able to hit each enemy and you will get more points. Of course, uh, from then on you will go into the sticks zone. This is the hardest zone in the game by far. Uh, from the moment you arrive, you have to keep moving around. Um, the enemies will first arrive in a wave of four. Then one will appear directly on a line at your ship and shoot at you. You have to remo remove out of that ship's line of fire while not running into the other ships or to stick terrain, and that can be very hard at times. You can end up being trapped and either getting shot down or running into the terrain. It's not easy at all. Uh, each ship is worth 50 points. Uh, the trick is to move to a part of the area where you can draw the fighter that appears to shoot at you, then immediately move away from it using your side lasers to destroy his cohorts. That's the easiest way to do it. Um, then it's just like with the uh, mountain zone. Um, then you have those ships that will come out, but then they'll move up and down to avoid you or to move back towards you if you're not paying attention. Um... They, you know, so basically what you want to do is just make sure that you move out of the way of the one ship that's firing at you because they will appear on a line just like the previous part of the stick zone. And you just use, you just stay out of his way and you destroy his cohorts with your side lasers. Same thing. Uh, each of these enemies is worth 70 points. Then on to Rainbow Zone 2. This is the same thing as the Rainbow Zone the first rainbow zone, except you're flying downward on a diagonal. And the enemies are, the little oval enemies are purple and they're worth 120 points apiece. Uh, this is a spot where you can 
earn quite a few points and probably even uh, get your first uh, free life at 10,000 points. Uh, same strategies as the Rainbow Zone. Move in between them, use your side lasers as they're moving up and down and crossing into your line of fire to destroy them. Destroy as many as you can because, like I said, this is where you get a lot of your points. Uh, from the, ra the second Rainbow Zone, you go on to the Stripe Zone. Okay, I call this the land of free points because it's by far the easiest out of all the zones. Uh, you have a choice to move to either the top or the bottom of the zone in lanes, but I fully recommend the bottom one because there are so many points to be had. You have houses and factories lining the bottom of the zone. You can shoot those for uh, 100, 200, or 400 points apiece. I think it's completely random. Um, then as you move through what I call districts, because uh, each, they'll have like mini zones within the zone, and at the end of them, they'll have uh, an energy barrier, which is uh, created by two generators lining the top and bottom of the lane. What you want to do is move to the bottom of the lane and shoot the generator on the bottom uh, for 800 points and then as you're flying by the second generator generator use your side laser to destroy that so you get a lot of points here um, in the third district there will be uh, an energy pod that you can run into for invulnerability you can ram all your targets in the last district uh, which will bring you of course to the end of the zone um, you can still get both generators of the energy barrier. You basically have to move up, move to one of the generators, then immediately push, immediately move your fighter up and, and up and back or down and back, depending on which one you went after. And you can ram that for 800 points. So you get a lot of points in the rainbow zone two and the stripe zone. This is where your bread is buttered, uh, so to speak. Um, Rainbow Zone 3. It's the exact same thing as the first Rainbow Zone. Um, flying upward on diagonal, same same kind of strategy. Same points. Uh, these enemies are white. They're worth 80 points, just like the first Rainbow Zone. Okay. From then on, you go to the Bleak Zone, which is vertically scrolling. Uh, they're occupied by crawling worms. You can shoot them for points, but there is one that you can quote-unquote dock with that will carry you for uh, a small distance and it'll give you 1,090 points for doing so. You can only do this three times. From that point forward, you have to shoot them. Um, the uh, word, to the, word to the wise, do not be too close when you shoot them, just like um, with the second set of enemies, but the, um, the explosions that are created by uh, killing them can destroy you if you if you are too close to it before the explosion dissipates. Um, the second part is the bleak zone. Now they're flying bombs coming down. Uh, you basically just want to keep flying uh, or shooting upward, uh, using your side lasers as you fly past the other bombs, and you just destroy them for points until you get to the end of the zone. Then of course, then this is the last zone. Uh, this is the boss level. The boss is at the top of the screen, and he's protected by two force fields. Each of them have a hole, and there are cannons on the side of the zone that shoot at you. Um, if you take too long to kill the boss, barriers start to appear uh, from the spots where the cannons are, 
and they come up to basically create barriers underneath your ship and they constrict your movement. Uh, you have to shoot both of the, shoot through both of the holes to destroy the boss and then you'll get a thousand points and then you'll start the next level which is much faster and you really need to be careful especially in the stick zone which comes right after the stripe zone. Um, you need to be on the ball with your maneuvering and shooting to get through these zones. Um, I have gotten to the third uh, level and each level that you complete, uh, it, the, the one after it, your fighter's moving much faster, so you don't have anywhere near as much time to maneuver your fighter, you know, um, and, you know, get yourself out of danger or to set yourself up to destroy enemies. So, um, you have to know pretty much exactly what you're doing to get through all of it. I mean, especially the third uh, level but if you can the points you get will be more than worth it um my personal best on vanguard is well up over a hundred thousand points that was done oh i can't remember how many years ago but i was playing it in emulation um it, it's a fun game easy to learn but progressively difficult to master you have to know what you're doing um but i love this game i play it all the time in emulation and when i go up to uh the arcade in Brighton, because that's the only place that I've seen that has a Vanguard machine. So yeah, those are my thoughts on Vanguard. You know, uh, my personal experiences with it, a little bit of information with that, and also my tips and tricks on how to get good at it. So if you have any thoughts or strategies or tips of your own, you know what to do. ArcadeAddictBrian at gmail.com Okay, that's pretty much it for this short show. So... I should get this up by the end of the week as it's being, as we've just now crossed the Terminator over into Monday now. So I should have it up probably by the end of the week, probably Friday, probably Saturday. So uh, by the time you're hearing this, of course, it will be up and posted. So until next time, and when we get together for episode 20, this is Brian saying good gaming, have fun out there, au revoir. This has been the Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast. All music has been provided by Kevin McLeod. You can find his music at Incompetech.com. You can contact the show by email at arcadeaddictbrian at gmail.com or you can call and leave a voicemail at 734-743-2433. Until next time, you have been listening to the Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast. See you then.